What's up, Gen Xers? Welcome back to the water cooler. I can't think of any other topic that's going to dominate water cooler talk around the country right now, really, other than the Kyle Rittenhouse trial as we anxiously await the verdict to arrive from the jury. But uh, it was quite a thing to watch, and, and I, I started off just kind of catching bits and pieces of it here, but you know, once I I got a feel of how this thing was going, and I watched uh, Kyle's testimony, and then some of those follow-up witnesses, and then the the closing arguments. I found myself just fascinated watching it for a number of different reasons. The first thing I thought was very interesting was as you know, going into that trial before I completely made up my my mind on which way it was going to go. Um, I I kept thinking. Well, if they brought this to trial, there's got to be something that we don't know. Right? The prosecutor must have some uh, eyewitness testimony, some fact, some forensic evidence of some kind that will dispute what we have seen for quite a while because there is just a, an obscene amount of uh, video evidence. Like the day it happened, the day after it happened. And I kept thinking, well, if there's something other than what I saw, then certainly it would, it would come out at the trial. And what I became apparent as, as I was watching this is that, uh, no, there wasn't. There wasn't anything new that came out at the trial. Really, all the information that came out of the trial was just hashed and rehashed and rephrased and repurposed from things that we had already had for the past year plus it was i thought that was kind of uh kind of bizarre um but um it was interesting and and i, I think it only just kind of you know, strengthened my uh my read on how i would have interpreted it and certainly how i would vote if i were on that uh jury uh but um one thing that I, I I think was fair to say is that you know you've lost when in your closing argument you feature prominently a still frame from the movie Roadhouse. <laughs> Roadhouse! <laughs> I don't know if you, any of you guys watch Family Guy, but that's... <laughs> it's soon... <laughs> As soon as I saw it, the first thing I I thought of was Peter Griffin going Roadhouse. <laughs> it was it was pretty great. But I, I once I saw that, I thought, oh my goodness, you guys are so thin on what you have, so thin on the argument that you're trying to make that you have to put up freaking Patrick Swayze <laughs> and say yeah, it's something you, know, you brought a knife to a fist fight or, or gun to a fist fight, whatever cock and bull story that they were trying to concoct. It was. It was it was it was just really weird, and, you know. And and I I saw a lot of the predictable mocking of Kyle from when he was on the stand and and when he broke down. Um, you know, a lot of people are trying to equate that to uh, to Justice. Uh, uh, what's his name? To the you know, Supreme Court when he was. You know, you know, falsely accused of um, sexual assault and sexual harassment, and 
and uh, they're trying to equate that to his, you know, crocodile tears or or whatever, and white entitlement or whatever. And when I saw you know Kyle kind of hyperventilate when he was recounting in the moment what it was like to flee from Rittenhouse and and Zeminski and and you could almost you see the you know the trauma in the moment catch up to him and it i mean it seemed like just, like we were seeing PTSD in in real time now juxtapose that to the trauma that we see on a daily basis laid bare in the in the media and on social media for the trauma that people get when they are subjected to the use of the wrong pronouns. I mean, that's literally phrased as, as some, something to akin of, of PTSD. And here's a kid who went through this violent experience and they're poo-pooing that. But then the same clowns are elevating the so-called PTSD on behalf of people who are the recipient of pronouns that they don't like. It's just, I, I it's, it, it, sometimes it, it can just be too much for me to take. I, I, I don't understand it, but anyway, the, the jury is, is now deliberating. Who knows which way they'll go. You know, there's, you know, sometimes you think something is a slam dunk, you know, sometimes you think it's totally predictable, like Derek Chauvin. But then, you know, OJ happened. <laughs> you know, that I don't think any of us you know, would have necessarily anticipated that. Um, or Casey Anthony happened. You know, that, that one seemed to be as much of a slam dunk as, as you can get. So who knows? Who knows where, where this one will go? Um, but I did think it was interesting that the gun charge was dismissed because that one, you know, going into it was the one that, the one charge that, at least to my uh, ignorant eyes, th- seemed like the one that was most likely to stick, you know, being that he was a minor and he's from out of state. But apparently, according to Wisconsin statute, that he, as a 17-year-old, was legally, uh, has a legal right to possess a long rifle in the state of Wisconsin, which, as they explained, it made, it made sense. You, you, living as close to Wisconsin as I do and knowing as many of my you know, cousins who have grown up hunting and, and what a, what a big deal, you know, those sort of outdoor sports uh, are in, in, you know, hunting is for you know, people in Wisconsin. So once that was kind of explained, I realized, oh, okay, yeah, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. So I, that one, I was totally wrong. I, I, I felt like that was one that seemed to be the one that could have the most clout, but um, according to, uh, Wisconsin statute that was he was legally entitled to to have that even if uh, he was out of out of state out of town. Um, so that one that charge was dismissed, which I thought was an interesting. I've gotten a lot of interesting um, info following on Twitter. Andrew Bronca, the uh, self defense expert. Uh, if if you haven't had a chance to check it out, I highly recommend it. You know, he's an, an attorney who specializes obviously in self defense and. And just the the way he's able to phrase things and the perspective that he gives and the the way that he puts context on things, I have thought was very very illuminating for me. And you know, not knowing better and you know, from my layperson's uh, perspective, what I think. And he's 
been able to frame that in the right context. I thought it's very, very interesting. So if you haven't had a chance to check it out, I recommend that uh, you do so. Watching the closing arguments, though, I can't help but think of how my initial impression of that weasel assistant district attorney Binger um, he did not certainly change my my uh, opinion on what a weasel that fool is um, and his just bizarre meandering closing arguments that he gave and you know, he had he had a, he has a real habit of being very nasally whiny condescending you know, he, it definitely seems like that that one punk in uh, on the playground who would lose you know, playing football or softball and went and would demand, you know, do over, do over, nah, nah, I'm going to tell. He just seemed like that weasel, you know, that weasel that we all grew up with. We all know who that guy is, and he just certainly seems to be that guy. But in his closing arguments, it was very bereft of actual evidence as far as I was concerned. A lot of it just seemed to be, you know, parsing still frame by still frame by still frame. I mean, things that happened in... in you know, a, a moment's time, and he tried to you know, parse it and, and try to ascribe meaning and motive to each of these individual frames. I mean, you know, like the, you know, the first shots that, you know, that that Rittenhouse fired were fired off as and they timed it in 0.76 seconds, and he's trying to dissect each one of those of those shots and and trying to say how after this first one he should have known that he didn't need to shoot again. I mean. Come on dude it was just you know, crazy anyway in his closing arguments he also proceeded to i thought make a lot of really weird self-contradictions which had i been sitting in that jury box i would have had whiplash from my eye rolling i i, I don't know how those guys were able to uh, to stand it maybe they weren't i don't know but um, for example one of the things that he did was he in stating you know that you know, Kyle should not have been there in the first place. He should not have been there uh, that late, which is something I obviously agree with. I don't think he should have been there. I don't think he should have been armed and so on. I've, I've said that before. But he said that at the time when tensions really escalated, that reasonable people went home. That was the argument that he made. Reasonable people went home. But he also then... If, went on to state that you know the the people who were there writing though they may have been they were there good thing they were there because they were needed to stop uh rittenhouse from being an active shooter wait so if reasonable people went home reasonable people were there and needed to stop rittenhouse i mean i what i i i didn't understand that one he also said that Grosskreutz, you know, had his gun there with him for to protect himself, and it was pointed out that uh, Grosskreutz actually had a suspended or expired concealed carry permit, so he actually did not legally have the right to possess that handgun. However, he said the reason he did have it was to protect himself. I know someone else who was there who had a gun to protect himself <laughs> and he's sitting in in the defense chair i mean dude <laughs> do you not hear yourself <laughs> i mean if this guy 
who was convicted at 17 for beating his grandmother. You would think if he had a gun there to protect himself that maybe this, at the time, 17-year-old had a gun there to protect himself too. I don't know. <laughs> oh, and then, oh, you I'm certain you saw this one. When that clown... I'm sure for dramatic effect. I don't know if he's Perry Mason or Matt Locking. I don't know what. But he points the rifle at the jury, which in itself is bad enough. But then this clown who is trying to point out different shots and CGI enhancements where he's saying that Kyle was pointing a gun at here, there. You can see him doing here, there. The guy takes the rifle up to his chin and points it at the jury box. Dude, I only have two words in response to that, and that is Alec Baldwin. Dude, <laughs> it's bad enough that you're pointing a gun at people in an open court. But then he also had his, tri his finger completely on the trigger. Dude. Gun trigger etiquette. Come on. You know that, A, you never, ever, ever put your finger on the trigger except when you mean to pull it. And you never point a gun at something or somebody unless you mean to destroy it. That is gun etiquette, gun safety 101. The fact that he did it at all was stunning. And it showed, more than anything, his ignorance on gun safety, his ignorance on gun etiquette, and his ignorance on how that gun is even used. I mean, it was just shocking. I mean, it was bad enough that he went through this whole melodramatic description of full metal jacket uh, ammo, as as you know, as if you know the scary name in itself is means something. But it, oh my goodness, when he did that, I was beside myself i could not believe he was that much of a fool or maybe i can believe it i mean dude's from wisconsin so you know what do you know and then there of course was the uh other other uh, prosecutor known affectionately on twitter as fatlock <laughs> i'm sure that guy has spent more than a few hours over at the broad stop there in kenosha i am certain of it there is no doubt um, again, he's not exactly, you know, a morbid, obese brother-in-law with agoraphobia. He's not exactly that bad, but, you know, dude could could lose a few. Um, but yeah, in every every topic he made was 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 bizarre. But then, you know, getting back here to to Binger, he also went through this sequence, you know, trying to downplay all the thuggish behavior of, of Rosenbaum that night. And, I mean, I was out there you know, just mixing it up and, you know, dropping, you know, the you know, F-bomb and N-bomb and this, this, and that. And, and again, it, it was in that really weird, whiny, uh, condescending tone that he had. But he, he, he said, you know, something like, well, what did he do? I mean, yeah, he... He lit a, a a wooden flatbed on 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 fire. Yeah, he he tipped over a porta potty with nobody in it. Yeah, he lit a dumpster on fire. He even and this was my favorite. He even used the N word. <laughs> he tisked 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 the N word, which I 
Oh my goodness, that was, it has to be the soundbite of the whole friggin' trial. Here you have some lily white DA in open court tisk tisking the N word. I mean, we've had people lose careers over that word, we've had people losing their careers over even insinuating it or or i mean the, the whole one of the biggest things the prosecution used in the whole oj thing to discredit uh, the police was when uh, mark Furman was was caught to have said the n-word reading some bad manuscript uh you know tv you know, you know manuscript or whatever and it was, it was totally dumb, but the fact that he even used that word at all was evidence at the time of the blatant racism on the behalf of the Los Angeles De- Police Department. And here this clown is in open court, tisk tisking the use of the N-word. So next time that comes up, whenever when the eventuality that somebody you know says that and they shouldn't have and there's a big public outcry think back to the Kyle Rittenhouse trial and when assistant DA Binger tisk tisked the use of the n-word i absolutely could not believe it oh, gosh it was it was crazy but then he also made a big deal of of, you know, this is someone who's not part of our community and he came across straight borders, which I thought, what, now we're, we care about borders? <laughs> I mean, we've, we've spent the better part of not only this past year with hundreds of thousands of, of migrants coming across our southern border, um, but we've spent a long time, a decade plus, not caring, apparently, about our national borders, but now we're going to worry about borders and and what it means crossing them i mean we're going to worry about this kid who traveled from 12 miles away i mean he's in antioch to kenosha that's really not that far plus he worked there his father lived there his friend was there his, uh, other extended family and aunt cousins were there you know who came from farther away was gage grosskreutz you know, he was from like 40 miles away he's from like on the northern side of of Milwaukee and, and uh, Huber, he came from farther away too. So the fact that that it was across a, a state line, in and of itself, and again, it's often used with the false narrative that he brought the gun with him over you know, state borders, which he didn't, because then obviously you know, gun laws are different from state to state. But the mere fact that he was there from across the border, I mean, they made such a huge deal of it. But I thought. That we don't worry about borders anymore. I don't know, but that's just me. Anyway, it's just been that that whole trial has been just an absolute train wreck. It's been crazy to watch, and but it did have me wondering how much does this Kyle Rittenhouse trial compare with the missing white female syndrome that we heard about a few weeks ago in regards to Gabby Petito, right? If you remember that, that's that. That girl that went missing it was was found murdered in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and there's this whole media uproar about it. But then a lot of the talking heads on Twitter were clutching their pearls because of all of the women of color and Native American women who go missing and no one cares about them, blah, 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 blah. And to be honest, they do have a point. You know, that that is factually accurate. 
that a lot of minority women go missing and don't nearly get the media attention as some pretty doughy-eyed, blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl does. Totally get that. That's totally true. Now, if only someone in the media you know, could do something about that, I don't know. But anyway, keep that in mind with the fact that all the attention that this trial ha- has been given over the past week. I'm sure how much you have heard about it over the past week. But there's another trial going on right now, which I would imagine you've heard significantly less about. I've heard a lot less about it. I've seen a lot less on on social media about it, on the news about it, you know, following links and and that is the Ahmad Arbery case in Georgia. You remember that one? That was the one where an alleged uh, jogger was was hunt down and, and shot by uh, local residents in Georgia. Ahmad Arbery was a a a black male, unarmed black male. And the guys that pursued him were you know, a bunch of white guys, a bunch of vigilantes who were somehow suspected of him of breaking into houses under construction, blah, 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 blah. Well, that trial's going on right now. Have you heard about it? Anything significant going on with that trial? I don't know. Do you know? I don't know. Why isn't it that that is getting much attention? Because that's a case that you have significantly less video evidence than you do the Kyle Rittenhouse case. But much like Gabby Petito, I thought it, the easily accessible video of someone in some incident shouldn't negate the importance and attention given to other cases. So why is this Ahmed Arbery case not giving given that much attention? Because that's one where my mind, I still don't know where you should go with that one. Now, I don't know if that's a case where it was justified to shoot him. To be honest, on the the bit that I do know, it doesn't look like it. It looks looks like it probably is is murder or uh, secondary homicide or something. You know, something other than self-defense or something other than some kind of justifiable act. But I don't know. Because I, I haven't seen the details of the case. I haven't heard much of reporting on it. And as much as the the press wants to shake their fists at the missing white female syndrome, interesting how much more this disproportionate attention has been paid to Kyle Rittenhouse than Ahmed Arbery. The reason why it seems to me is very apparent, and that is racing on, you know, much like QAnon, and just, and one one I don't how else I don't really understand too much but it seems to me that those in the race and on cult need some kind of underlying conspiracy of this sort of groundswell underlying racism in our in our country this uh, institutional racism they need that narrative to be true and for some reason reasons i don't understand kyle rittenhouse in his case seems to be made an example of that. And, that, and honestly, I, I don't understand it. I don't know if it's because tangentially these were BLM-ish related riots or is it, there were riots because of Jacob Blake, who is a you know black man who was armed with a knife that was shot in the back by white police officers. Somehow tangentially that makes this one a racist case, a racial case. I don't know. But Ackman Arbery, he was you know an unarmed black guy who was shot by a bunch of white guys. 
I don't know. There may not be anything, any racial animus in that shooting, but it's certainly one that seems to be more akin to what they want it to be. For, but somehow the race and on powers that be have determined that Kyle Rittenhouse is the one that bears that out. I don't get it. But, you know, I'm so over relying on the press for any kind of honesty, any kind of truth. I mean, you can just rattle off the amount of lying that they've done with zero consequence too, all, all, all next to nothing. But think about all the cases that they've lied to us about and just swiftly moved on. I mean, Duke Lacrosse, the Covington Catholic kids, Kyle Rittenhouse, Russian collusion, the fine people hoax, and on and on and on. They lie. They, they distort they misrepresent on purpose just so that they can have eyeballs, just so that they can get clicks. And it's so gross. And for whatever reason, they th think that they can get more attention and eyeballs and clicks with Rittenhouse than Ahmed Arbery. And it seems like a shame. I would really like to know more about the Ahmed Arbery case. I'm really interested to see where that goes and, and how it's going to be going to be judged. I mean, we're just going to have to wait until the next uh, 48 hours mystery when they cover that case after it's done. I don't know. Because I'm certainly not getting it from the the press. I'm not getting it from social media. I don't know. But uh, we'll see how, how that the verdicts come back in both those cases. But I just wish that, you know, the the racists at the at the... Um, press press corps and in social media circles would would pay as much attention to the case of a a black victim as they do about these three white victims in wisconsin but you know that's just me well i don't know i'm a cynical gen xer okay lastly you know the stirring about vaccine boosters are only getting louder you know we talked about last week how the nba has already mandated uh, boosters, which really only confirms what Kyrie Irving had said before the the season started, before he was uh, banned from uh, this season, if as long as he remains unvaccinated. But if you remember, you know, in Twitter suspended, I believe it was Jack Posobiec a number of months ago for when when he he posted something or other of uh, vaccine boosters are coming, something like that, germane and that just straightforward. He was banned for it. Misinformation, right? The the fact checkers def decided that that was something that was untrue. They couldn't allow that kind of misinformation. And they suspended him for it. And here we are. You know, that we went from, uh, from vaccinating the elderly and the most vulnerable to older adults to all adults to teenagers to now kids 5 to 11. And now we're going round and round with boosters. Um, it could just be, maybe, that we don't understand the complexity and the full efficacy of these vaccinations, which you really can't call them vaccinations, right? We talked about that last week. You really just kind of have to call them shots, just much like the flu shot. The COVID shot, you know, it just doesn't seem to have the efficacy that, that we were told. It certainly, we know, is not going to protect you from contracting it. It's not going to always attract you or prevent you from getting severely sick. And it's not even going to necessarily prevent you from, from dying from this. It's just another layer of defense. So 
understanding that, why are we still running around acting like the vaccine and vaccine rates alone are going to prevent the spread of this thing? Because clearly it's not. I mean, clearly we've, we've shown and, and that if you have the vaccine, you can still get it. And now, contrary to what we heard in March, now it seems to be ubiquitous. Oh, well, yeah, you even, you know, it, just because you have the, the vaccine doesn't mean you won't get it. Okay, okay. So then, if 100% of people have the vaccine, you're telling me, it, it could still be passed, right? We seem to be simultaneously saying, let's get everybody vaccinated and let's stop this thing from spreading when vaccinating alone is not going to stop the spread. So help me out with that. I, I don't get it. You can't have it both ways. Uh, it, it just, it's just such an, an intellectually dishonest argument. And um, it's one that, that you can see, and I, I've mentioned it before, but if you ha- haven't followed this guy yet on Twitter, I highly recommend it. Um, his handle is at Ian M-S-C, I-A-N-M-S-C. He does a great job of laying out facts and data that you just simply can't refute. And you know, sometimes he'll lay on the timing of, of mask mandates along with the infection rates, or he'll, he'll lay on the mask compliance with infection rates or vaccination percentages with, with uh, infection rates and death rates, and he'll layer on all those and what you see. As plain as day, the facts and data show that the infection rates of this thing and death rates of this thing move completely independent of our mask usage and vaccination rates, completely independent. So why are we spinning our wheels, screaming at each other about vaccines and not focusing more on treatments once you have it? Because honestly, at some point, we're probably all going to have it because it's not going anywhere. So as long as you and I are alive, I mean... we could live to be, you know, 100, and this thing is still going to be here. You know, courtesy of the CCP and the NIH, thank you. We have this thing. It's here now. It's not going away. We can't inoculate it away. We can't vaccinate it away. We can't mask it away. It's just going to be here. So why are we focusing so much on that and not on treatment? I don't get it. It seems to be like when in areas like Florida, where Governor DeSantis is opening up, you know, you know, treatments for this thing that their infection rates and death rates have cratered out. You don't hear anything about that, but if they have a spike in, ra- in infection rates, you do. But they have remained low throughout this whole thing, but yet we don't hear about it. I did see this over the past week that in, in this year. We've had a very high increase in the rates of heart problems over the past year. Now, rationally, you could think, oh, my goodness. You know, I've heard that myocarditis is a, a side effect of, of the vaccine. Does that have anything to do with it? Well, you read the article, and conspicuously, that was not named. But, you know, what was named? Uh, diet, anxiety, and climate change. Yeah, climate change are the reasons for uh, the increase in heart problems this past year, not this vaccine. Good Lord. Uh, that's, you know, that's where we are. That's where this idiocy has found us. And 
and it doesn't seem to be slowing down anytime soon. But you know what? Listen to your doctor, decide for yourself, and don't listen to in- anything that anybody else has has to say otherwise. But, you know, totally up to you. But again, I'm a Gen Xer. I'm, I'm independent. And I th- I think for myself, and you know, I don't go along with with the crowd and with the mob like so many others do. So with that, I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. Keep on uh, staying cool. Keep on being yourself. And we will see you next time at the water cooler. Shout out to G. Gordon Liddy. We'll see you next time. Whatever. <laughs>